Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Bright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to episode 18 now of Men's SBL Shoot Around and things are really heating up. We've got one weekend of action to go in the competition before we get ready for the massive finals weekend and and if you have a look at it, we still would have legitimately seven teams that can make the finals with one weekend to go and most of those matchups are on Saturday night and a lot of them are going to decide who ends up making the top four. So that's that's pretty exciting. And fresh off our guest, our special guest last week, Gavin Field, he put in a monster performance. So hopefully that means that coming on SBL Shoot Around here brings some good luck to the players. And we've got two very special guests for this week as well. One, a rising star in the in the SBL in the West Coast Classic, and another one who, maybe not in a playing sense, but he's certainly been one of the finest servants of WA basketball that, that we've produced here as well. So really looking forward to our two guests tonight. And of course... We picked our all-star teams last week, and now we've got some results from our fans, and we'll also dig a little bit deeper into into our all-star teams and our all-star game here on SBL Shootaround. So that's a lot to get through. I'm Chris Spike, your co-host, the man who you do want to hear all of his opinions from, and pick his brain, Ben Etridge. Thanks for joining me once again. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Great to be here again. It seems like it was only... Uh couple of weeks ago that we were sitting here talking about the last dance and uh, reminiscing yeah. about the three uh, the two three-peats of the, the Bulls and, and discussing our favourite basketball movies of all time. And now we're sitting here with a seven-team um, you know, weekend coming up where seven teams could make the finals, but uh, the NBA finals are in full swing and we're mm-hmm. seeing upsets and, and great games all the way there. There's a bit of news around the NBL and when they're going to be starting. So yeah, look, Despite everything that's gone on in the last sort of six months, six to eight months for everyone, we're, we're really enjoying um, basketball and, and it's in the forefront of all our conversations, which is what we wanted to have happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have a look at what's happening in the NBA right now. The Clippers were, were shocked in, in Game 7 by the Denver Nuggets, obviously now, and that it probably took away the, the series of, between the LA teams that we all were probably expecting for all of this NBA season. and. The Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat are locked in a in a fa- fascinating battle for the Eastern Conference as well, which I'm sure you're keeping an especially close eye on. The NBL season now won't be starting until mid-January at the earliest, which could have a flow-on effect to our SBL and or our NBL1 season here he, for next year as well. So you're right, there's plenty going on. And the West Coast Classic, one week to go before the finals and seven teams in the, in the finals mix still. I don't think we could have asked for, for too much more. It's been great. Um, we've really started to see some good basketball as as teams have worked it out and got got back from that sort of couple of months hiatus and have really sort of hit their straps and and it's sort of what it's been for a while. We've always had that last sort of couple of playoff spots, whether it was an eight team making the finals or you know down to ninth and tenth. It always seems to come down to that final week, which can determine who makes it and who gets their heart broken. So we'll get into that in a little bit more detail shortly. But first of all, this week's show. Our first guest, Steve DeConza. You'll recognise the name. You would recognise him in his in his referee stripes. But one of the great guys of WA basketball. Obviously, his family is now heavily involved in 
in the competition as well. But I think he's a, a four or five time referee of the year and really looking forward to hearing a different point of view on, on this week's show. And that was sort of why I suggested we, we talk, to, talk to Steve. We've discussed um, former players and current players and former coaches and current coaches and administrators. And it's really, you know, it's an interesting one to see how the global pandemic affected the referees' perspective and how they approached the, the West Coast Classic and what were they trying to get out of it because you know, someone like Steve could have sat back and said, no, I'm, I'm going to sit the 10 weeks out because not a season that I sort of you know, feel I'm going to get anything out of, but but they but he did and he's jumped on board and, and been a part of it and helped those younger referees come through. So, yeah, looking forward to having a, a chat to Steve and, and seeing you know wh- where he has seen himself throughout this year and what his aspirations are and, and so on and so forth. So I think it would be a really Really interesting one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And I had a I had a really good chat to his his wife Nicole for a, an article for the SBL um, website last year, and and that, that came up great. Just doing something different. It wasn't the same sort of play or coach story that I was used to. So looking forward to speaking to Steve. And also on this week's show, Shaquille Maharaj, a player who has been a rising talent in a lot of ways in WA basketball, but this West Coast Classic is really taken on the next step as a superstar of the East Perth Eagles and. Really looking forward to, to seeing how he feels about about it all. Yeah, he's a he's a kid that sort of paid his dues throughout the the junior system and the wobble system, and then forged his way over to college and done some stuff over there and flirted around the you know the the NBL and and uh, Siebel and now back in the SBL. So again, another another great story of how basketball can be your passport to the world, and he's using that to the best of his advantage and really making a fist of it and, and putting up some good numbers this year in the in the SBL. Probably going to put him in good stead for next year. So yeah, looking forward to have a chat to chat to Shaq a bit later. Now, it didn't quite pan out for you to coach East Perth this year, but how big of a part of your plans already was was Shaq? Was he someone that you saw as a centrepiece of everything you would have been doing if you did end up coaching the Eagles this year? Oh, 100%. Within probably 12 hours of it being announced, I had an email in my inbox from, from Shaq mm-hmm. saying he was very excited to be coming back and wanted to be a part of the team. And uh, I said to him, he was the sort of player that I'd heard really good things about and, and was looking forward to building around uh, essentially having uh, Kieran Berry him and Andre Don Largic. I think that would have been mm. as uh, as good of Australian, you know, East Perth based three. And then you, know, you bookend that with your your two imports and then the local kids that they had there. I think we would have been more than competitive and, and really been able to make a, uh, you know, uh, some good strides given that the squad would have been together for the majority of the year and had that stability. So, um, and even in just seeing him and what he's done this year, you know, uh, I can't see any reason why that wouldn't have been the case. No, absolutely not. So really looking forward to speaking to Shaq later on the show as well. And now before this first segment's out, we'll get to our, our all-star teams and our all-star game and talk about that a little bit more as well. But b- before we do that, Ben, I want to have a chat about where we're situated now with one week to go in the West Coast Classic. To me, the Warwick Senators look like clearly the team to beat right now. They just keep on winning. They've won 11 games in a row since they lost that first game on the Friday night to the Perry Lakes Hawks. That They go so deep where they can have a weekend where Cody Ellis doesn't play and they still have two big wins against two two pretty good teams, including on Saturday night against the Lakeside Lightning. Do they look like the team to beat for you, or how do you see the Senators? I think we've seen, yeah, as I've said for a while now, that they are. And if we go back to that first game, as I said to you when I reviewed it, um, I watched the last uh, watched the last five minutes pretty closely, and Sterling did everything they could to lose that game. They had mm. several opportunities to win it. You know, capped off with a you know, Wani shot a thirty-eight footer with. 18 seconds on the shot clock. It was sort of like they did everything they could 
um, to not win that game, which for them would have been a uh, a perfect season. So, you know, despite that, they have been the form team. They've you know, handled their business very well, their depth, and just the, you know, the the quality of player that they can put out there and the different lineups they can run. Yeah, look, I think everyone else is chasing them, and it's I guess a little bit like the Clippers. This could be their chance to actually get to a, a finals and um, and make some noise. They don't want to they don't want to miss this opportunity. Well, they don't want to do what the Clippers have done. So, but you're right. Exactly. The, the potential is there for them because they've knocked they've knocked on the door for such a long time. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and that's yep, what I've said absolutely. all along. They they have sure you know have. they've had that core group, Corbin, Cody, and and uh, and Caleb have been there for a while now, and then Ash Lyrics joined them. And they've had you know Justin King's been there solid for a while, Rob Anschiller, those sorts of guys. I know Anschiller's not there now, but they mm. sort of kept that core group together, and they've um, they've carried themselves with that swag for a while. But now it's time to really you know, as I said before, here's a chance for them to go and win mm-hmm. something. It is. Now, the Parallax Hawks as well, they have a chance to lock away second spot in the home final for the finals as well. All they have to do is beat the Coburn Cougars and Gavin Field on, on Saturday night. Do you think they get that job done? It won't be it won't be as easy as it, as it might sound. Yeah, look, there's always a little bit of uh, feeling in that one. Um, mm. There's a lot of Coburn is, yeah. um, in that Perry Lakes team. Um, John Triscari and, and Parsons there. And there was uh, Daniel Thomas moved up the road to, to be a part of what they were doing as well. So there's a little bit of um, of that. And I know the Cougars, there's nothing you know more fitting. You've got to play free um, then when there's no pressure on you. Mm-hmm. So the Hawks are trying to hold on to that second spot. The Cougars really don't have anything to lose. Um, and sometimes they're the sorts of teams that are the most dangerous to play against. However, when you look at you know how balanced and how steady the Hawks are, you'd sort of think that they might have this one um, under control. You'd think so. So that, that would lock away the top two spots. And then we've got a, a fascinating battle now for the third and fourth position. So Saturday night we see the Redbacks play the Lightning pretty much in an elimination game. You lose that game, you don't make the finals, you win that game, and I think you're pretty much locked away. And it's a similar story with the Junior Love Wolves and the Wilton Tigers. Assuming, and you don't want to assume probably because the Cougars are a dangerous team, but assuming the Tigers beat the Cougars on Friday night, it's almost an elimination game then as well between the Wolves and the Tigers on Saturday night. That Those, those two games are going to be fascinating. Who would you be putting your money on? Well, look, I think, you know, the Redbacks actually have a chance to to lock up a second spot. If Perry Lakes drop one, yeah. Redback could, and that could throw a whole different, you know, spin on it. But yeah, look, it's just one of those things where, as I've said, we, you sort of need to treat this one like a tournament. And the wrong the, the wrong loss at the wrong time could really put a few teams out. And if we think back to that loss that the Redbacks had um, against the Wolves early on, that could mm-hmm. come back to haunt them. But yeah, just looking at it, Willerton could end up sitting in, in fourth spot um, if, if everything goes right. But look, who knows? That's why we love the game of basketball, because it's unpredictable and you can't do what we did and, and do a, a three-game simulation on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to go out and play the games because sometimes the, the numbers don't add up and the game of basketball is left in the lap of the gods and the ball bounces and referees make calls and so on and so forth. And, and before you know it, you know the, the results go on a different way. So, yeah, look, an absolutely jam-packed Saturday night with ramifications all over the place. You're right. It just couldn't be set up any better. And, you, and you've got the wild card there, the Rockingham Flames. If things fall their way, they'll need a lot of results to fall their way. But if they can upset the Warwick Senators in their own game, and if a couple of the other results fall their way, they could even sneak into the fourth spot as well. So they're the, they're the other team that's, that's that's in the hunt as well. So it couldn't be set up any better. Now, as for the, the schedule of the finals weekend, it's changed a little bit from when it was first announced. So... Now on Friday night, we'll have both semi-final games played, which will be at the home court of the first and second place teams. And now the women's grand final will be on the Saturday night at Bendat Basketball Centre. And because of the long weekend, the men's grand final on the Sunday night. You happy with that that setup? 
I think the only thing that would make me happier is if you and I got all up to, to call the grand final. Okay. I think that I'll put that out there right now. And um, I've had a chat to, to Mark Utley and he would love to be uh, available to, to assist us for that. And Luke Franklin, the SBL Personality mm-hmm. of the Year, I think his courtside roaming reporter would just uh, cap it off nicely. So, yeah, look, I think that's a great way to do it. I love that the the two finals are on Friday night at the at the home stadiums and then mm-hmm. we're, we're finishing up at Bendat on, on hopefully a, uh, a neutral court. But, yeah, I think that's a, a great way to do it. A bit like the Final Four, it's all done in, in, in one weekend and um, everyone gets uh, to have the public holiday off yeah well, i think it, i think it, it's a it's a very nice setup it'll be a massive massive weekend and i can't wait for it and and if we did get the call up to be the commentary team i'd be more than happy if josh garlop's still involved in heading up that commentary team then if you need a second and third man or a fourth man then know where you can can come now so so give us a shout out if, if you need us we would love to be involved and we could present luke franklin with his personality of the year award if he if he deserves it maybe Maybe he needs to get the Calamundra Eastern Suns over the line this weekend to to get himself over the line in that award. Yeah, look, I know he's sort of laid low the last couple of weeks. Given well, he might you know, be scared the, of getting the, the kicked hype. out of the, of the building now. Well, yeah, that was it too. Like he, he did have to have his big boy pants on and, and toe the line for there for a little <laughs> bit. But look, you know, again, he definitely hasn't uh, let us down in any way, shape, or form. We just we'd love to get a win for for everyone up the hill. Finish off a pretty tough year for everyone and and get that done on Saturday. How did he feel about the tough love you gave him in re- in relation to his performance in, in the game against the Slammers? He took it like a champion. Um, okay. He's always looking for feedback on how to be better. <laughs> you know, he came up and, and asked and said, what can I do? What do you need from me? How can I help the boys? And I gave him about three things to work on, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he's been, been taking, the, taking those with him and, and working on them. So we're looking for a big performance this weekend down in Mandra. Very good. I'm sure Aaron Traher's got something special in store for for you guys as well, but we'll get to that later on. I now want to get to our All-Star teams in our All-Star game, Ben. We chose our teams last week, and I was actually blown away by the response we received once we announced our teams on on social media. We saw everyone congratulating all of our players for being named All-Stars for this year. Nice to see that people put us in high enough calibre to think that we are the official All Star All Star team announcement, so that was that was great to see, and I think a lot of people were were pretty chuffed to see themselves named in the in the teams. Did you get a lot of positive feedback? Yeah, I did. There was a couple of messages that came through from uh, different people, just say uh, thanking thanking us for putting him in such uh, high esteem, and um, did have to remind uh, a few people that it is it was a virtual All Star team. Mm. There wasn't actually going to be a game and that sort of thing. And but yeah, look, any time you're you're named to one of these things by people that you respect, I guess it means a lot. And yeah, look, uh, given that there there wasn't such a wasn't such a uh, All Star game this year, um, to have something like that was a, a bit of a kick for for the boys that are out there having to run around. Now, we did put it out to our listeners to vote on social media to determine the winner of the game as well, and I'll announce those results shortly, but let's just say it was a very tight result. As I imagine, if we played this game, it would be a pretty tight result as well. So I'll get to that shortly, but we haven't quite been able to set up our virtual simulation of the game just yet. Hopefully in the next week or two before we wrap up for 2020, we can get that to happen. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to follow Mark Utley's formula that he used during our ultimate SBL championship winning team tournament where he determined his winners based on the individual matchups so whoever whichever team won the most individual matchups were the team that he selected so I'm going to need you to try to be as unbiased as you possibly can I know that you're coaching one of the teams so if you end up with with 12 to 0 then I 
might not be totally totally surprised, but if you can try to be as unbiased as you can as I run through the matchups that we would have had in our All Star game, Ben. Yep, for sure, and I'll, I'll be as Mark Utley esque as I can be. <laughs> please, please do. So the first first up, and this could be one of the best matchups out of the ball. Jackson Hussey up against Lachlan Cummings. Who would you give the nod to? <sighs> Look, uh, I think really, really tough, be tough one. Yeah, both these boys are, you know, again, next level point guards when it comes to the SPL. Look, I'm probably going to tip. Oh, God. This is going to be a hard one because I don't have mm. all the stats in front of me. I think I'm probably going to have to go with, although it's a bit <laughs> probably going to go with Lachlan Cummings mm-hmm. simply because he's, he's, he does have an SBL championship to his name and he was quite quite instrumental in, in that grand final. So I'll go with Lockie Cummings, but it's very, very close. Two, two very different point guards, mm-hmm. uh, both scoring point guards. Hussey's more of a uh, get-to-the-rack and uh, push the pace, whereas yep. Lockie's got that ability, but also his ability to uh, knock down that three wall. Yeah, I'll probably give that edge slightly to, to, to Lockie. I think all is going to be equally as difficult. Damien Scott... I, and Justin King. Yeah, Huss any day of the week. Um, oh, look. Uh, <laughs> see, I can't even remember who I picked. So, look, I'm going to go with uh, Damien Scott on this one. I think Scotty yeah. has been phenomenal this year, given that he doesn't have the supporting cast that Justin King has. Not that Justin hasn't done an amazing job, hmm. uh, but I think that if Damien has a bad night, then the Tigers don't perform. Whereas if Justin uh, has an off night, um, there's people there that are going to pick up the slack. So yeah, in this in this one, um, both, again, great scorers and would have both of them in a heartbeat. But um, I'll give this this one to Damien just based on the fact that he's had to carry more of the load for, for the Tigers. Okay. Now, last week's SBL shoot-around guest, Gavin Field, against this week's guest, Shaq Maharaj. Tough one. Uh, again, I'm going to go just body of work here. Um, Gav Field, I, I think Shaq's uh, outstanding, but I think Gav, um, just his ability, you know, all-round ability and, and his body of work um, just puts him ahead slightly. So Gav Field for that one. I think Shaq could he probably even even ex- accept that, if it, considering it's Gavin Field he's up against. Next one, Majir Garang and Caleb Davis. Uh, again, Caleb Davis, just body of work and mm-hmm. versatility. I know um, Madge has really hit the scene this year. Uh, but I just think uh, Caleb's just a little bit more polished, um, a little bit more um, has that ability to, to take over a game. Um, and just, you know, his, again, his, his three-point shooting and, he, and his rebounding, although, you know, I know Madge is uh, in double figures, but I just think, you know, given if Caleb wasn't uh, surrounded by who he was, was uh, he'd probably have a few more buckets and a few more yeah. rebounds um, if he was in a similar situation. So um, Caleb Davis uh, in that one. Okay, and the last of the starting five matchups, Mayo Malik and Lee Roberts. Yeah, again, another tough one. I know they didn't get to go head-to-head this year because Lee didn't make the trip up to Kalgoorlie. Mm. But look, I think uh, Lee Roberts has proven for a long, long time, um, and even in his, his short span in the league, that he is you know, the, one of the best uh, best fives going around in his motor and his, uh, the way that he approaches the game. You know, I would, would very hard-pressed to, to not pick uh, Lee Roberts in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Okay, so after the starting fives, we're three to two in favour of the North team. Okay. So we go. Okay. Ryan Godfrey and Brendan Donato. Yeah, look, Brendan's had a uh, an outstanding season. Uh, shot the ball extremely well, um, but you know, Buff Godfrey, he's proven in this league. He's had a couple of good playoff series down there with the with the Flames. So yeah, the tip tip of the hat goes to to Buff in this one. Now Fletcher Clastorny. 
and Marshall Nelson. Yeah, son of a gun, Marshall Nelson. I, I compare him to almost to James Harden in this league. He's literally almost unstoppable trying to get to the basket, and he's got unlimited range. I just think he's uh, he's very, very good at the SBL level, um, and I think Fletcher would have a very hard time stopping him, as we saw the other week up in Kalgoorlie. Mm, we did. Now, this is this is an interesting one. Almost the, the young emerging small forward against the, the old master, Travis Dernan and Ben Purser. Uh, yeah, look, I think Persa would uh, would win this one sort of fairly easily. Um, just his physicality, he'd, he'd probably bump him off his line, Travis off his line a few times and, and defend him very well. Um, and at the other end, uh, I think he'd just be too strong, uh, either driving to the basket or, or posting him up. So Ben Persa uh, in that matchup. The North is starting to pull away a little bit. See if I can pull one back here. Luke Travers and Caleb White. Yeah, well, this one, again... Uh, I think very highly of this guy and I think uh, in this environment would be perfect for him so I'll go Luke Travers in this one I just think his all-round game he might not get the points but he would probably get a triple-double in in this Mm. sort of game so Luke Travers in this one okay five to four in favor of the of the north so still pretty close now Mitch Keller up against Corey Easley oh again Corey was was picked based on my team given the fact that they were very very perimeter oriented whereas Mitch Mitch Keller's numbers are probably a lot better Mm. so this is a tough one again if you're going straight numbers wise Mitch Keller is probably going to get it but if you're looking for what Corey's going to be able to do with the people he's on the floor with I think he might have just a you know he's a better passer out of the double team he's a better shooter he's a good position get, defender he's not going to defend the pick, work pick well, and roll well that's the thing too yeah so yeah look uh, although when we went head to head Mitch Keller did get it so mm-hmm. look I'm going to I'm going to in the flip of a coin I'm going to go with Mitch Keller I think, cool, um, I think that makes it. He's, uh, that makes it good. That makes us five all going to the final two. Five all. Goodness me! Here we go. Might come down to coaching. Well, the, yeah. Well, we are going to go out of thirteen, so I think the co- the coaching one's pretty obvious as well. So I do need to end up in front of this, and because we've gone for our eleventh and twelfth men, these guys aren't aren't particularly sort of like for like matchups. So it's a little bit trickier. First one. Andrew Ferguson up against Braden Inger. Oh, very tough. Very tough in this one. Uh, the Swiss Army Knife versus the Stretch Five. Mm. Uh, the Kristaps the Porzingis of the SBL. Really tough. Really tough. Both are, again, what we sort of look at as being fringe NBL guys. Um, could could in another another universe maybe have gotten a go if there was a few more teams around the mm. place. Uh, yeah, tough one. This is a really tough one because they're not the same. They're not the no, same position. Not, not, Given the fact that the the fact that there's Mitch Keller has already got the five spot locked down, I'm going to swing this one to Inga and go Inga for the uh, for the win in this one. Given okay. this, just his all round game, he'd probably again a bit like the Luke Travers matchup would end up with a very good stats package. Ferguson doesn't get to the free throw line a lot, and Inga's that slashing type player. So yeah, look Inga Inga in this one, but very very close. Okay, now the last one is probably a three or four man up against a point guard, so it's a little bit tricky, but two guys who have really emerged thanks to the West Coast Classic. Tom Atkinson up against Kieran Berry. Well, there you go. The SBL's, almost the SBL's most improved player in Kieran Berry against Tom Atkinson, a guy that's come out of nowhere for yeah. playing professional darts in England. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think there's ever been a story like it. It's almost no. a Netflix special. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, 
and both sort of, you know, their, their teams haven't uh, excelled this year. I know Tom Atkinson's really fought hard and, and given a lot. But Kieran Berry, you know, he's just been consistent. And as I say, he's he's kind of taken it on board to, to lead this team. He's come up big in some some wins. Uh, I know against us, he was huge. And I know in their uh, one of their other wins, he was massive as well. So where are we sitting with the numbers at the moment? Six to five in favour of the North. And I, I think it's safe to assume that it's seven to five if you take in the coaching. Uh, look, I didn't. I don't want it to come down to that. Oh, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip a coin here. Flip a coin, Kieran Berry. There we go. Well, it doesn't have to come down to the coaches. I think, <laughs> I think, I think anyone can safely see that you've got the coaching not anyway. So I guess we don't need to discuss that. Given, given your credentials, as I've said, mate. Cred- given your credentials against my credentials as a coach, it's. There's not too much to, to discuss. <laughs> oh, we're, we're both unemployed coaches at the moment, so um, oh, neither here nor there. So True, true. So there we go. According to your in-depth analysis, we've got the North team winning over the South team in the All-Star game, seven matchups to five. So I think that's pretty tight. I, I can accept that. But as for what our listeners had to say, Ben, we got plenty of votes, plenty of interest in our All-Star game, and it was a very right. tight vote count. And it was interesting, the differences. So... On Twitter, my South team was well ahead of yours. On Facebook, we were pretty even. On Instagram, your North team was a fair bit ahead as well. So that made made for an interesting dynamic. But at, in the end, as it turned out, when I added them all up, it was the South team that got the nod, 53% of the vote. So that's just That's brilliant. That there you go. Really that's how close much, it is. There's not much between these two teams that we tipped at all. And I do hope that over the next couple of weeks, somehow we can come back with a simulation of the game maybe even play a three-game series and, and see who comes out on top. But this has been a been a great initiative and I've been really, really blown away a little bit by how much traction it got on, on social media too. Yeah, as you said all along, uh, this is something that the, the people want to see and they're, they're supporting the league and supporting their players. It's a, it's a special thing, you know, and there's only probably another, you know, one or two others out there talking about the West Coast Classic at the moment. And I think the fact that we do give people um, a lot of respect and especially the you know, those young and up-and-coming guys that we're really excited to see play, um, we've sort of got a bit of a, a good following out there and it's great to see. Um, it's just, you know, brilliant to get those messages of people saying thanks. I'm glad, you know, didn't realise you thought so much of me. So that's probably the most pleasing thing for me is to be able to you know, give, give someone some positive feedback um, even though you're not directly involved in their, their basketball journey at the moment. Yep, completely agree. But we've got plenty left on this week's show here on SBL Shootaround. Later on, we'll be speaking to Steve DeConza and also Shaq Maharaj. But when we come back from this first break, we'll have a look in more depth at the results from Round 8 in the West Coast Classic. Okay, continuing on here on SBL Shootaround, Round 8 in the West Coast Classic, second last round, and some of these results had a really big say in in how the, the finals are shaping up, so let's get straight to them. There was four matches on Friday night first up, and it got underway down in Mandurah. Massive win for the Rockingham Flames, and they turned on a show. Their big three of Ryan Godfrey, Travis Dern, and Jackson Hussey having a lot of fun, getting some good help as well. They had a massive win over the Magic, 119 to 54, Ben. Yeah, I think we're starting to see you know that, that chemistry that, that would normally be hitting teams when they've had a 
know, uh, the, the addition of a Jackson Hussey is, is a massive one. And, and now that um, Godfrey and Dernan have sort of learned to, to work off him and he knows where to get them the ball, they're really starting to put some good results on the board sort of as this tournament's winding up. So, yeah, good good game there. And, and the Magic, you know, as we know, they're in that, that development stage and, and they're battling hard. And, you know, Aaron Keering with 16 points is a good return for their, for their young centre yeah. down there. Yeah, it is. Um, now, next up, your game for... Friday night, Cullum under Eastern Suns, you got off to a flying start against the Perry Lakes Hawks. I think you're up nine to two at, at one point. Still a pretty solid effort against a team that we're expecting to finish in the top two. It's just the depth of the Perry Lakes Hawks again. They had six players scoring double figures. They had probably eight or nine players that made really strong contributions on the night, and they got the win, ninety-five to seventy-five. Yeah, and essentially what Mark and I did when we went into this this game was we decided we were going to throw different looks at them to to make make them have to adjust and also to see if our guys could handle it. And I think we ran eight different styles of defense. We even ran a triangle and two, which I don't think has been seen in the SBL mm. for a long, long time. So wow, we just threw nice. lots and lots of different looks just to see how our guys would react and how the Hawks would react. And essentially the Hawks just went basically to run, running their man-to-man offense against what we were doing. And that sort of pulled them away at the end of the first half. And then they just you know, did the same thing in the second. They didn't really blow us off the court. 20-point margin is probably about the difference between the two teams at the moment. But, yeah, just a, a fun game. And the, and the boys played really hard. And, and again, the Hawks are well-drilled and, and didn't take too long to sort of work out what we were doing and, and, and how to beat it. Now, next up, interesting game. Warwick Senators got the win, 103 over the East Perth Eagles, 74. But... They're missing plenty of players, the Senators. No Cody Ellis, Corbin Rowe, Wani Swacker, and then Ash Litterick got hurt in the first couple of minutes of the game, but they've just got such depth where they had three other players scoring 20-plus points. They had Ethan Elliott, who's now just turned 16 years of age, deliver 13 points and 10 assists, and they've just got so many weapons they can they can throw at you. Yeah, again, when you've got someone of the class of Justin King, um, holding the fort there and, and, and a quality young point guard like Ethan Elliott yeah. um, running the show. He's, he's ably able to step in and, and run the show. And Norm Anyang, again, you know, relishing the opportunities with perhaps not a second import there or without Cody on the floor in that same position. 25 points from him mm-hmm. is uh, probably close to a career high and, and, you know, testament to the hard work that he's been putting in. Yeah, and stepping up once once Litterick went down, somebody had to, had to step up and, and Norm was the man. Now, the game I was at on Friday night up at HBF Arena, um, I'm really surprised how far the Joondala Wolves have, have fallen. We came into this season thinking they were just about unbeatable championship favourites in the West Coast Classic. They're now fighting for their lives just to make the finals and just seeing them without Lee Roberts and Seb Salinas on Friday night, they're a very different-looking team. And the Lakeside Lightning, boy, did they love the three-point ball, especially in the, in the first half. I think Jay Bowie put up eight three-pointers alone in the first quarter, so he was he was feeling it early on. They ended up putting up 45 for the game, so not quite the 61 of a, the week before, but they had a really good win, important in the context of the season, 83 to 62. Yeah, look, as you said all along, Lakeside, uh, you know, as well as building for the future, they're in sort of win-now mode. And- and the Wolves have kind of played the tale of they're in win now and, and now the future is needing to be addressed and, mm. and they don't have tools there or the development and they had a mass exodus at the end of last year of all their Division 1 guys are now spattered around the league or mm-hmm. a couple of them aren't even playing basketball now. And, yeah, look, it's Jay. Again, a decade is a long time to be at the top and, and I guess we're seeing a very, very big change of the guard up there at, uh, at Joondalup. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you just couldn't help but notice without Salinas there to try to defend one of Bowie or Eisenberger, the difference that that, that made. Now, on to Saturday, a Saturday afternoon game. We haven't seen too many of those over the, the years, Ben, up in up in Geraldton. 2 p.m. tip-off for this game. And the Wilden Tigers got a really important win that keeps them in the finals hunt. They beat the Buccaneers 77-71. to Yeah, really uh, an anomaly, if you will. Um, I know we have had some um, some family-friendly fixtures, which is start at 4 and 6 yeah. with the, yep. the WSBL and the men's SBL. But a 2 o'clock fixture up there, not really sure as to why. Um, and how much sort of pressure that did put on the Tigers to be up there for that that start. But, yeah, great. You know, Ralphie out there banging some triples, good to see. But, yeah, the Tigers are in that winning way. And, you know, Damien Scott leading the way again, 18 four, 20 points and hitting five threes. Yep. Um, really making a claim for that they, they, they could perhaps cause a cause a little bit of a mini upset this weekend and, um, and, and make a push for the finals. Yeah, absolutely could. Just wanted to give a shout-out, Johnny Narkle. Exciting to see a young player like that develop at the Bucks, and he had an amazing stat line right across the board. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, and 3 blocks in his first real season playing basketball anywhere near this level, so so well done to him. Southwest Slammers, Jindalot Wolves. The Slammers, they put a scare into the Wolves, and as I said, the Wolves are, are struggling a little bit at the moment, but they got this win, which was important for them because they've just about would have knocked themselves out of the finals if they lost this game too. They got the win down in Eton, 79-67. to Yeah, a big performance there from the from the remaining Wolves, especially with our uh, Rob Huntington and, and Ben Einmunk, who joined in yeah. the list as well. But Mitch Keller, again, 23 points and 16 rebounds, yep. fast becoming one of the one of the better big men in the league. And if you can lock down a, uh, a quality Australian big in a league that's kind of guard-dominated with uh, Australians, that's... Uh, it's a very good thing. So we've got to, you know, add a little bit of an adjustment to, to a few of these guys' stats for the West Coast Classic. It's the fact that it's, you know, there's not as many um, imports and quality players at the mm-hmm. different positions. So, but again, if he's going to go out and get 10 points and 10 rebounds a game for the Slammers, that has a very good return for a, for a young Aussie big. Yeah, absolutely. Next game, Lakeside Recreation Centre. Uh, having seen Lakeside play the night before, Really surprised by the margin in this game. The Warwick Senators, they, they just can't can't be stopped right now. Massive win, 97-70. to 70. Yeah, and I would suggest that uh, they've come out full complement and decided to put the, put, the, put the lightning to the sword a little bit there and really, you know, taking the game as a potential sort of finals matchup if Lakeside do finish in that top four. You don't get those two opportunities to leave a few mental scars. So they've mm. gone out and really, you know, taking the game by the scruff of the neck and, and uh, asserted their dominance in that one. They did. Next up, Coburn Cougars, a pretty tight one in two teams out of the playoff hunt, but Gavin Field, our guest from last week on SBL Shootaround, was the difference, and the Cougars beat the Mandurah Magic 75-63. to 63. Yeah, and as we predicted, you know, Gav was going to come back in and, and uh, have a big influence on this one. Good to see Josh Hunt in there amongst it there. Uh, I know he had a pretty good trial day with the Wildcats training yeah. um, squad there, and they were quite impressed with what they saw. So it's good to see a kid that sort of made a couple of junior Australian teams and made a move to, you know, for family and work reasons, and I uh, get some good numbers on the weekend as well. Now the last game of the weekend, a really important one in the end. The Perth Redbacks beat the Goldfields Giants seventy-five to sixty-one. What it does is keep the Redbacks in the top four and still an outside chance of even finishing top two. And it just about knocks out the Goldfields Giants, um, unfortunately, for all the excitement they have brought to the, the West Coast Classic. You know, 
days that they'll look at this one and think of it as, as one that got away, um, especially you know, on their home court. And as I said last week, they really did match up quite well against the uh, backcourt of the of the Redbacks. But again, 28 points and 12 rebounds, six assists from Marshall Nelson, showing why he's a, you know, uh, an NBL-level talent. If he can get an opportunity, he's probably going to be able to make a, a pretty good fist of it there. Yeah, and interesting to see how Tevin Jackson, he didn't play after quarter time, so you'd assume he got injured. And then... Maji Garang also didn't play after sort of midway through the third quarter as well. And also Joel Wagner not there for the Redbacks because he was at Michael Vickers' 30th birthday party on Saturday night. Ben, as you noticed, Mike's social calendar is a pretty full one right now. Yeah, he's got quite a, uh, he's quite a good follow on Instagram. I do uh, <laughs> boot in on a few of the things he posted. Again, at the start of the year when he plans uh, his social calendar, you know, midway through September, you would ex- you would be expecting to there'd be no games. So Absolutely. You're not you can't you can't change the date of your birth, and if things are already in place, now that's going to be you know there. And again, it's what spacing's afford for people too is to perhaps make those social engagements and do those family things. I know I've missed a couple of games this this year with those sorts of things. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, tough one for the uh, for the Giants, um, but puts the Redbacks in good stead for this weekend as as well. Yeah, it does. Now, we at the start of the show, we talked about all of the ramifications now coming into the final round, So, I'll, but I'll quickly run through the standings now with one week to go. The top four right now, the Warwick Senators 11-1, the Parallax Hawks 10-2, the Perth Redbacks 9-3, and, and the June Love Wolves, they're still clinging to fourth right now. They're 8-4. Then just outside, we've got the Lakeside Lightning 8-4, the Wilderton Tigers 7-4, and the Rockingham Flames, 7-5. and five. And then everyone else out of contention below that with the Goldfields Giants, 6-5. and five. Coburn Cougars, 5-6. and six. Geraldton Buccaneers, 3-8. and eight. The East Perth Eagles, 3-9. and nine. The Calamundra Eastern Suns, 2-10. and ten. The Southwest Slammers, 2-10. And, and the Mandurah Magic, 1-11. and 11. One round to go, Ben. What do you make of, of the standings? Look, I think we've got everything we've asked for or could have wanted. I'm going to... You know, throw a bit of a bit of a curveball here and say that I reckon that the Willow Tigers are gonna gonna get the double this weekend and, and things are gonna fall their way. I just think you know they're, they're in with a really big chance. They've sort of been flirted with finals and, and those sorts of things the last few years and new stadium and all that sort of stuff. And they've got the kind of team that's hard to match up on. Lewis Thomas is a workhorse and we know what Damien Scott can do and they've got good performances out of um, Connor Mitchton. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to back them in this weekend and say they're going to go two for two and the cards are going to fall their way and we're going to see the, the Will and Tigers jump into that top four position and, and make a bit of noise in that finals weekend. And I really don't think you can make an argument that they don't deserve it. As we've talked about a couple of times on this show, they've lost four games this season. The first one was a game against Lakeside, which they dominated for pretty much the entire 40 minutes. They were just overrun in the last couple of minutes by Lakeside. The second loss was in overtime against the Perry Lakes Hawks, which could have fallen their way. Their next loss was against the Perth Redbacks, where Marshall Nelson hit a hit an amazing shot on the buzzer to snatch that from them. And their other loss was against the Senators, where, as we talked about last week, halfway through the third quarter, they were 12 points up and in control of the game. So even in their four losses, they've been outstanding. They're, they're probably the only team right now, maybe aside from the Senators, who haven't had a poor game the whole competition. Yeah, and if we were to sit down and uh, I know we're talking about doing this next week and start to sort of grade teams' performances and and how they went throughout the season, you'd be you'd be pretty pleased with what they've been able to uh, come up with, especially given the fact that they've you know really had success while at the same time getting those minutes and reps into those younger developing Absolutely. guys. So it's been a pretty successful year. 
Yeah, so it has been. We'll go in a bit more detail on their two big matches later on. But right now, it's time for our two guests here this week on SBL Shooting Round. First up, five-time SBL Referee of the Year, Steve DeConza. And then after that, East Perth superstar, Shaquille Maharaj. Okay, back here on SBL Shootaround, and it's a first for us now, Ben, on this week's show. We've we've had plenty of big name coaches and players, and and former players and current players on the on the show this year, and it's been a lot of fun. But we need to get another perspective as well. We need to get the perspective of the referees, and and clearly, if we were going to do that, then we've gone to, to gone to the top. We've gone to the man who has won the last five straight SBL Referee of the Year awards, Steve DeConza. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Hi, Ben. Good day, Steve, mate. Thanks for coming on board. No, no, thanks for the invite. Thanks for the, uh, the introduction, Chris. No, no, no worries at all. What's What's this year been like for you? Obviously, we were all preparing for a normal SBL season that was taken away from us. We do nothing virtually for, a, you know, three months, and then all of a sudden we have a West Coast Classic season that pops up, and it's been pretty exciting, but it's also been, I'm sure, like the players, for the referees, it was tough to get back into the swing of things straight away. What, is, what has this year been like Been like for you? Um, yeah, it was uh, obviously a false start where you are, uh get excited, uh, come out of a National League season, and anyone who knows me knows that I love getting out on the floor of the SBL. So mm. that false start was definitely uh, a challenge for, for, the, for the whole mindset of, of everything as well, not just basketball mindset, but what's happening in the world uh, and, and Australia. So that was, that was definitely challenging, but I, I guess for my own personal situation, I was, was quite lucky in a way that I... Um, Got to be working alongside uh, Adam and the and the league and talking with the uh, the senior panel of referees around what their concept was, what their ideas were around keeping athletes, referees, and coaches on the floor. So from early on, I, I, I guess I had a bit of an understanding of what what they wanted to do. So they kept my mind at ease that we would actually get to get on the floor and get some sort of normality back. Mm. So yeah, it was it was yeah, definitely challenging. Were you were you involved in that first weekend of games? Were you scheduled to to be on? Uh, of WCC. Yes, yes. No, yeah, sorry, of the yeah, SBL yeah, but, season when they when when they yanked it away. Uh, no, I no, I wasn't. I had a work thing to be okay. at, so I wasn't actually rostered on night. Okay, but I guess it's sort of a similar question. Like we spoke to the, you know, the players, and you know, what was that like? Uh, we even spoke to Wayne Creek, and they were standing at the airport uh, in Perth. They'd flown down; they had yeah. no idea what was going on. And spoke to a couple of coaches. You know, as far as your personal preparation, and probably similar to you know some of the guys that have come out of European seasons and, and NBL seasons, how what was that initial you know feeling like? I know we've all sort of experienced it, but what was it like? From, from your perspective? Um, yeah, it's deflating. It's very deflating. I think that um, you, you build yourself up to, to get ready um, for, for what the season. Um, and I'm obviously heavy, heavily involved with all of our, with our junior referees coming up and, and really good mates with, the, with the, well, pretty much all the panel. But um, 
everyone worked really hard. We were all on the same page. We were looking forward um, to, to getting on the floor, but also really looking forward to there's so much conversation happening in, in basketball circles around uh, what potentially might happen uh, in a new in a new era of basketball and making sure that we do everything we possibly can to get ourselves ready for that era of basketball. Um, but then when it gets pulled away from you, um, yeah, it can be a little bit deflating. And, uh, again, it's a question that I've asked um, a lot of the players and coaches, and I guess it's a similar one that I'm going to ask you. Um, where did the love for basketball come from? Because even though you've gone a different pathway, there's obviously that love for basketball. And, and where did that come from? Uh, the love for basketball came from back in Victoria. My cousins uh, were heavily involved with the, uh, the Board of Birmingham and my auntie and uncle actually were president at one stage and just grew up on that side of things. And when we moved over here to Perth, we first started playing Adrian and I at Big Park Leisure Centre. Quickly realised that to earn a couple of dollars to catch a train up there, you might need to run around and rest. And then I realised that wasn't very much. Yep. It wasn't very much of a player. So I uh, put the whistle around my neck, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yep. And so, how old were you then when that started? Twelve, thirteen. Okay. And and so so from there, like again, we know the pathway for our kids is, you know, they they go to wobble and then maybe make a state team. What's that pathway like for a young Steve DeConza? What's who's he looking at, or who's the person that sort of identifies that you've got the potential to eventually be in the, the highest leagues in in Australia playing your trade? Yeah, good question. Back in uh, in those days, I at Redbacks there was Green Armour was above me. Then there was Ken Riddell was looking after the referees, and then they give you the opportunity to uh, come and referee wobble. Um, and back yep. in those days, it was under 14 Division Two, and that's all you get. Well, you just get the one game. That was it each week. Uh, if you asked for another game, you quite quickly got told you weren't good enough. Then you just worked your way up from there. Then I guess then you, I suppose, get a tap on the shoulder, or you think that you've got what it takes to become an SBL referee. I had a couple of false starts as, a, as an SBL referee. I uh, got a couple of knockbacks okay. uh, by uh, Greg Gurr. Got told a couple of times that my attitude wasn't good enough and mm-hmm. I wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't make it. Dave Eckhart actually gave me my first, or gave me my contract in the uh, in the SBL. So I guess for me, those those couple of knockbacks um, just drove me. But my mates around me, Mark Grids, Craig Coach, uh, Scotty Mack, I think that in the same year as I did. Um, but seeing Coachy and Chris go ahead of me actually drove me, uh, made me go back and uh, work harder and wobble uh, and then finally get the call to, to the SBL. Uh-huh. Well, I guess we do have something very similar in, in, in our development pathway. Greg Gurr sat me down after what I thought was one of my best games and told me that he didn't think I had what it took to be an SBL player and um, maybe I should think about mo- moving on to another sport. So um, that was, I think, in my, my second pre-season game that I played down at Coburn. So, yeah, um, but sometimes those conversations that you do have do spur you yeah. on to uh, go go away and work a little bit harder on, on what you're doing. So he wanted you to give up I basketball altogether. A... He thought you were that bad. 
uh, Steve will attest to, I did have a bit of a temper apparently when I, when I played. Like, so I, I guess he was sort of looking at that and saying, you know, maybe you need to address those uh, anger management issues okay. a little bit. So, but yeah, um, you, you're in a, a strange situation similar to our the guys that sort of go up and down from NBL to SBL and you, that you're refereeing at the, at the highest level and then you drop down to, to the state league. What's the... What's the biggest sort of challenge that you find in, in making that? I know you don't have to do it in a, in a season, but you know, you've just come out of an NBL season and then you're coming into an NBL season. How do you, you know, prepare yourself for that? What's, that? what's that part of the game like for you? Interesting. Um, question. I think um, the, so if I talk about the NBL side of things, um, it's, um, it's very full on. Obviously, it becomes... Uh, a lot to do, um, a lot to get yourself ready for a game. There's a lot of preparation and, and the like. So, you now I have the, the same ritual. It doesn't matter if it's NBL, women's NBL, or SBL when it comes to uh, preparing or reviewing and the like. So, I think that personally, not much changes then, really. I think the, okay. the only thing that changes really for me is that when it comes to SBL or WCC, I'm, I'm repping more regularly. So I can right. so I can actually work on things. So for for example, maybe it's uh, I've refereed a, a game with a coach, and after the game, maybe we've, we've talked about certain situations, and it hasn't, and I haven't handled it well. For example, well then I get to go and do it on the Saturday night and fix that. Where in the NBL, uh, in my last season, games were far between, um, and you struggle to uh, put feedback into practice, which then can be frustrating as well. Like. A, I presume it would be the same as an athlete. You've been given feedback, you want to go and rectify that, but if you haven't got the opportunity, um, it becomes very difficult. So I think that would be the only one for me. It's the same as women's NBL. Like um, last season, there was uh, seven uh, West Australian referees on the women's NBL panel, and it's very difficult to get a game when we only have the first link. So um, I, that's probably where I'm in at the start. I thrive. I love the SBL Friday, Saturday night, or, or a Sunday. Uh, I take it just as seriously as if I was running on, a, on an NBL or a women's NBL court. I get to do it more often. And you know what? I love I love the family culture that comes within the clubs that are here. Um, and, I, and I enjoy the fact that we can run around the court. We don't have to agree with each other. But in the game, we, we can shake hands. We can have a beer or whatever. And... Uh, we can still see another day. I imagine the rapport that maybe you, if you're doing only, I guess, the old NBL game, you don't quite get to build up the rapport with the players and the coaches that you would if you're refereeing them every single week. How important is it to build up some sort of relationship with the players and the coaches that you're refereeing? How much does it help to have some sort of a some sort of a relationship with them? just so you can be on a bit more of a personal basis, have a conversation, I guess, about when you're making a decision to explain it to them rather than being that, I guess, adversarial type type relationship. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's totally important. I remember getting like, my first time going to Geraldton and things like that. You like you stand back and you just watch after the game. And I, and I remember David Bull grabbed hold of me and said, mate, you're not going to build a relationship with anyone if you're going to stand back and just, just watch. Yep. Like, and I remember... I used to deliberately go and try and talk to like a, a Charlie or a, or a, who else is my name? Oh, whoever it was, didn't matter who it was. Scott mm-hmm. Rubry and people like that when I first started and talk to them around. Oh, what what worked, what didn't? Like um, there's 
certain coaches that you can talk all game to, mm. um, and everything will be everything will be fine. But then they're like, well, I don't really want you to talk to me. I just want you to give me an answer and move on. Sure, yeah. Um, so it's um, yeah. I think building those relationships, and it's probably something that we don't see much anymore. Like, uh, like I think a lot of clubs players they might finish the game and then off they go home because they've got another game and want to prepare and things like that. Yeah. Referees sometimes don't stick around as well, and I think that conversation uh, is something that I try to instill in the uh, the development program that Craig Coates and I uh, continue to lead here in WA is around. You've got to build that relationship because, you know, someday you're going to need to fall back on that relationship to support you, to help you. Like things, sometimes things don't go on for whatever reason and you need that support as well to help you. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's one thing that Ben and I have spoken about on this show before where the biggest difference we see between, I know it's a totally different level, but the NBA and what we see in basketball here in Australia is that our referees don't, seem to want to build that relationship as much with the players and maybe they don't explain things as well to the players or the coaches when they make a decision and they're maybe too quick to get their backs up if a player or coach is, is unhappy. And it sounds like it's something you've always tried to do, but maybe this next generation is just not either not putting the time into it or it's just something they don't place enough importance on, but perhaps it would actually actually help the relationship between the referees, the coaches and the players if you just took that little bit of extra time to, to talk to each other. Yeah, I think you've got to develop that. I think if uh, anybody that knew me when I first was running around Wobble and even in my first few years of SPL, like, you couldn't turn your eyes sideways at me, otherwise I'd tee you. So, like, I think that took me a long time and a, and a lot of watching tape around my mannerisms around the floor and things like that to actually realise that, you know what, that doesn't work. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't work. You're, you're just another part of the game. So you've got to develop that. Sure. Um, and I think at times we can talk too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we are talking about the panel. Uh, and then we we try to manage a situation instead of controlling the situation. Yep. Um, and then there's times that I think that we don't do it well enough at all. Mm. Um, so uh, it's definitely a journey. And, and I think we're taking more and more steps in the right direction as each year comes along. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, good question. Well, uh, now just hearing you talk, Steve, I do. You know, I haven't been in the gig for for a year now, but I I always do remember you making an effort to to come up, whether it was uh, into the bar at Junior Lup or after the game, come upstairs and show show that you were a part of it, and come up and and stand there and, and have a drink and and have something to eat or whatever it was, and, and have conversation with different people, and that's something that. Now you're mentioning it. It was something that probably at the time I wasn't wasn't really paying attention to. But I, I look at that and I go, and it's funny to hear you talk about bully because he was someone that I I sort of always remember doing that. And he was that was someone that was sort of mentoring you in that develop those relationships. You know, I guess he, he was getting it right because he would be someone that I would say had a very good relationship with um with the coaches and and the players. So again, it's a bit like everything. We're always learning and we're always trying to be better. And and when we do put, you know, it isn't a professional league, but it's, it's it's uh, something that we do spend a lot of time in. Um, we want to do it to the best of our ability, and and I guess that's the the message that's coming through that no one's no one's trying to do a bad job. And if we do make a mistake, we're we're going to put our hand up and and say you know I, I can do that better. Whether that's public.
publicly or whether that's in our own self-reflection, which I know is probably the hardest thing to do, um, given, you know, when it's sort of you're in the public eye, um, whether it's as a coach or as a referee, you kind of tend to be a little bit guarded about your, your results or your performance. But um, to hear you talk about that self-reflection, and, and it's a very similar way to the way coaches go about it. We, we know we're not perfect and we know we're going to get things wrong. Game one, for example, against East Perth, we called a timeout and advanced the ball um, and we'd forgot the rule change where it dropped to 14 seconds on the shot clock and we gave East Perth six seconds to get a shot off. Like, we, we sat down and, then you, and, then you and lost we were devastated. Yeah, we lost the game. Uh, essentially, <laughs> that was our mistake. Yeah. And we couldn't have been harder on ourselves in the review when we sat down with the boys. And I think that's what people respect is when you, you do put your hand up and say, you know what, yeah, I got that one wrong um, and, and I need to I need to be better the next time. And yeah, I, I'm hearing what you're saying and I think that that's something that, that we all sort of do perhaps take for, for granted that, you know, oh, they're not doing it. But it, it, it's clearly yeah. that, um, that, 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 that referees are and, and that they, as I say, we want to be better every time we step out on the floor. Yep, agreed. Yep. Got to ask you about your family connection as well. Steve, it's fantastic to see that you and your brother have come through together, but you also now share the refereeing world with your your wife, Nicole, and I. I had a great chat with her well, what was it, a little bit over a year ago now when I did a story for the SBR website, and, and, and that was a that was great for me to get a get her perspective on things and just to just to tell a story that wasn't from a player and a coach for a change as well. Um, what's it like being able to share that whole journey with with your wife and your kids now come along to to the games and also also your brother. Um, yeah, um, basketball's been very good to me. Um, I've got some great mates and and obviously through basketball, Matt and Nicole uh, and the rest of that part is history. Um, but yeah, it's um it's it's really good. I, I remember back in the day, uh, I brought Adrian down just to Richard Rushton, part of Redbacks, just to just to help out. He wasn't part of it and. Then he started to enjoy himself, and then the rest is history with that as well. And um, I think uh, the, the proudest moment, obviously, stepping onto a national floor with, with them both. Yeah. Um, and, and that was actually a televised game, so that televised on Fox and back into Melbourne where... Yeah, it was a WNBL game last season, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was... Uh, that's, a, that's a huge, proud moment for me. I think um, having Nicole... Um, in the circles of the National League and obviously State League and, and the like probably has helped me at times when um, could have easily gave it away mm-hmm. um, uh, through when I left was out of the uh, NBL um, and then um, through some of the, the changes that occurred within women's NBL I think just having uh, Nicole there to soundboard, support, and the likes um, is a total testament to where I am as an individual, uh, personally, and, and then through basketball as well. So, yeah, I heard a lot. Um, I, I also, um, Nicole and I could not be anywhere where we are now with any of our basketball, which wasn't all of our basketball family. Like you said, the uh, Lucas and Ollie get dragged along to all of the games, mm-hmm. um, our family our friends in the basketball fraternity look after them while we're uh, while we're running around on the yeah. floor and doing something that we love. Um, and all I can hope for hell is that my boys play basketball instead of so that we can get to <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's a great family journey and something that when I 
finally put the whistle away and sit on the grandstand, something that I'll really reflect and be very, very proud of. Now, one last question I've got to ask you, Steve. What was it like being the head referee out on the court while while Ben was the head coach? How did how did you two get along? <laughs> uh, we 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 had moments, uh, but um, but I must admit that I did enjoy refing uh, junior life because it was it was a challenge. I mm-hmm. think that there, as an individual, you do something because you want to be challenged um, and you want to get better. Um, so I think one of the really good things that I used to enjoy with Ben was that you couldn't just be off the cuff and say something around a question of a call or something like that because Ben was too smart. So mm-hmm. if you didn't get it right, then that could quickly be used that, well, actually, hang on, did you see that? Mm-hmm. So for, for me as an individual, it was always um, a challenge to ensure that I was always on my game. Mm-hmm. So did I, did I see that play correctly or did I get a snapshot? And then if I was going to have that conversation with Ben, making sure that I articulated it the right way, otherwise it could have egg on my face. <laughs> and vice versa, like, again, knowing if you're going to ask Steve a question, you needed to make sure that you had it right and you weren't just, again, flying off the cuff because mm-hmm. you knew the answer was going to be 100% correct. So there'd be some times when it'd be, you know, it'd all come out at once and then Steve would just say, no, this is exactly what I saw. And the response from me would just be, yep, 100% correct. There was no, there was nothing going back and forth. And I guess that's, that's all you really want. The first thing is the fact that you're being acknowledged and they're going to answer your question. And Steve would always do that. And then the next part was that, that the answer was actually exactly what you was going to be correct it wasn't uh oh, it wasn't my call or i didn't have vision or anything that was the, the almost like the the coach's rhetoric um it wasn't a prepared answer it was always going to be this is this is what i saw this is why i called that and this is how how it's you know how how i've seen it bang no no problems at all with that and and you move on I think the other thing that you got we got to as as referees understand is that coaches are in the moment as well just like we are um, and, and players, and sometimes it, it can be an emo- it can be emotion um, before it's actually like Ben just said, thinking through what what, what we're going to say. So sometimes it, it's just standing near Ben or any other coach and let them have their little vent or mm-hmm. remove it, and then then you move on. Like it's it's not personal, and I think uh, the better referees understand that and understand when a coach just needs maybe to vent a little bit, just quietly, not being disrespectful. Um, and gives you an opportunity, then that's another way to build rapport right as well. Sometimes you have a player that is um, having a dog of a night, and all they all they want to do is just vent. So you just stand next to them, let them vent. All right, we good to go now? Cool, sweet. <laughs> Move on. Let's go. Yeah. Let's play. So. Yeah. And to be honest, I think that's why you're so respected, because you take that that attitude and and that's why we wanted to have you on the show as well here on SBR Street Around was to to get your perspective to learn a bit more about you and I think I think I think it's been a been a terrific insight you've been able to provide so I'm more than happy that we've had you on the show and hopefully hopefully you get some good feedback from it hopefully hopefully you you don't get any you don't get any negative feedback from from the home front or the or, or on the court this weekend but yeah Steve it's been a pleasure to speak to you and I'll make sure that we stay in touch and I'll 
we'll speak again soon. But thanks very much for joining us here on SBR Shootaround. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the invite. Thank you. Okay, back here now on SBR Shootaround. And, and once again, Ben, I think this is a man that we've been really keen to speak to ever since we started this show and we saw just how well he was playing with the East Perth Eagles. He, he has taken it on board to become a leader on that, on that team. He's taken it on board to take the responsibility of putting up some massive numbers and, and trying to do, do his best to make his team competitive, but also to, to make sure, I guess, that, that he's noticed as well. And he's doing it back at the club that he spent a lot of time at. I, I first saw him last year, and when Adam Ford brought him in, I thought he was their new import. That's how impressed I was first up. But turns out he's a, he's a junior coming back from college at East Perth and really looking forward to having a chat with, with, with our guest now on SBL Shootaround. Shaq, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How much are you enjoying this West Coast Classic? Having, like I said, having that responsibility of, I guess, being the go-to man on your team. Um, how much are you, have you in, been enjoying it? Yeah, it's been it's been fun. You know, it's uh, obviously the circumstances to come back home are pretty unusual, but you know, uh, this is the most time I've been able to spend at home. So it's been fun being able to uh, come back. You know, be around my family and friends, and also be. Uh, given the opportunity to even have a season, I know a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends back in Canada and also in uh, in Melbourne, Victoria, they're they're not able to play basketball, so we're pretty uh, pretty lucky to have the opportunity. And you know, um, to be able to do it at my old club is, is great. You know, just with that, Shaq, yeah, you know, your your basketball journey has been. I guess, um, similar in a way to a lot of kids, but it sort of wound up being a little bit different. Um, you know, your, your initial plans to, to head over and go to college in the States, How, you know, where did you end up and, and where did those aspirations come from? So from a young age, I, I think I've always wanted to go, go uh, play college basketball and then eventually make it um, overseas. And initially that journey started with moving over to Melbourne uh, I finished my juniors here and I thought I could use a, a bit more development before making uh, the move to college. So I went over and I was part of uh, Andrew Gaze's Academy at Victoria University. And while I was there, I got the opportunity to play for the Melbourne Tigers. Uh, I started off playing in their, in their youth league side. And then uh, the following year, I got the opportunity to play Siebel, uh, which is now NBL1. So that was a really good experience for me, obviously being 18 years old quite inexperienced at the time but I, I did learn a lot and I think it helped me uh help me become the player that I am today so uh after after that Siebel season actually it was cut short because I I had to go over to junior college so uh I, I made the move to uh Fremont which is just outside San Francisco and I ended up playing for coach Scott Fisher mm. a lot of you guys may know him uh Yep. As a former Wildcat, former Wildcats head coach, and you know he spent he spent a lot of time down in Australia, and he he loves uh, he loves to recruit Australians. So I ended up there and uh, ended up doing a year there before uh, going to Canada, which uh, wasn't expected, but you know it worked out for the best. And what was that like playing for someone that you'd obviously grown up, you'd know his pedigree and. Um, you know all the things he achieved was that um, was it sort of funny in a way that you'd gone all this way to to America to play basketball and you wind up playing for a guy that had spent a lot of time in Australia um yeah it was you know I mean 
it had it had its positives. Um, but him having that that link to Australia, you know, he kind of appreciates um, us guys a little more, and obviously that's why he recruits us. But you know, uh, at, at times it was a little uh, there was there was a little bit of pressure, you know, to perform well, and you know he's he's kind of trusted us to come over and do the right thing, and and uh, yeah, no, but it was a, it was a really good experience, I think. I think it was probably a little scarier playing for Andrew Andrew Gaze um, <laughs> at the Melbourne Tigers yeah. because you know he, he's one of the Australian greats, um, mm-hmm. the, the the best Australian I would say um, ever. And you know the the pressure to perform under him, uh, and you know his his standards and his expectations are going to be high. So um, you're you're always trying to do your best, but um, you know with with the mistakes come come learning curves and i think uh, that's the most important part especially transitioning from that you know uh development and college stage to to the pros i mean yeah you couldn't probably pick two bigger names in uh in australian basketball to to have um in your sort of formative years of your of your basketball as you're sort of trying to trying to head off and and do your, do your own thing and um, you, you said that you, or we know that you've, you've headed up north of the border there and, and played in, in Canada. What's the, what's the Canadian system like? I know it's sort of become an option for, for a lot of guys and girls now to, to head over and play and they, they are producing, um, you know, NBA players and, and their national team does have a lot of players that do stay home and, and play in Canada. What's the, what's their system like and what's their level of play like? I think the uh, the major difference uh, up up in Canada is that you actually get five years of eligibility. So mm. you have five whole years to play, and uh, if you redshirt, obviously you can spend six six years at a school. So that's that's obviously a great opportunity uh, compared compared to the four years in the states. And uh, I I think that there is a bit of a misconception with Canadian basketball. You know, especially now I'm finding as I'm transitioning into trying to create a professional career for myself. A lot of coaches look at my resume and, and they look at my film and it's like, oh, Canadian basketball, we're not sure. But really, you look at you look at some of the games that are played uh, preseason, exhibition games. You've got teams like Carlton and um, University of Ottawa. Those teams are competing with schools like Wisconsin and Syracuse, losing games by 10 to 15 points. Right. So when when you when you think about it in that in that kind of way, Canadian basketball is competitive. And I, I think players should start looking to make that move if they're able to. Um, and if if uh, if they're not able to do anything in the States, treat it as an alternative option. And and the same thing for coaches, you know, I think they need to start to recognize and respect the league up there because they are producing some good talent and the competition is good up there. My first year the player of the year in our conference, he actually ended up being player of the year across Canada and he got a workout with the Phoenix Suns. So, you know, once, once you've achieved something like that, it's really up to you. If you get an NBA training camp, it's up to you. Right. So there, there is yep. talent up there. They just need to, uh, they just need to see it. Yeah. Your, n- your numbers across like the three it. years that you were there were pretty good and pretty, pretty consistent as well. I guess over the three years, pretty much sort of 15 and a half points, six rebounds and two and a half assists a game. Um, what was the standard like compared to the junior college down in California, and even back to back to the Seabull? How was how, how would you rate the standard of that of that college college system? Uh, I think college up there, a lot of people, especially locals, quite quite the same level. 
mm-hmm. that makes sense. So they're all pretty good. They're, they're pr- pretty above average players. Whereas you look at the Juco system and guys are there for different reasons. Yeah. They're there because they need to get their academics up and they're really good. They're pretty much D1 talents. All guys are there for exposure. So there's a bit more of a disparity in terms of talent at a junior college. But in Canada, it's pretty steady. Everyone's pretty above average. And then your internationals that you bring in have to be brilliant, really. Mm. What about the lifestyle side of it? How did you find living over in Canada for that three years? And did you manage to keep up your studies pretty well and come away come away with a, with a degree? So I'm, I'm currently doing my, my last year of my degree online. Okay. Uh, the trouble that I had with moving from Melbourne to California to Canada was starting school over in all of those places because sure. none of my none of my credits transferred. So oh, I had okay. to I had to keep restarting. And you know, it's been this is my seventh year of school. So <laughs> it, it's kind of, it's it's kind of annoying. I, I've yeah. been doing well. I've been doing well with school, yeah. but it just never never transferred over. So that's kind of been tough for me. You must have um, done enough units overall to have graduated Oh. Twice over already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've I've done plenty of units, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I'm just I'm just working through that at the moment, and uh, yeah. Did you enjoy the lifestyle over there, though? Oh yeah, the lifestyle. The lifestyle is great. You know, I think obviously the Canadian lifestyle is more similar to Australia than the sure. American lifestyle is. Yep. So it's really easy to adapt to that, and you know integrating yourself into that community is a lot easier than integrating yourself into a, a community in the States, right? Um, yeah. The lifestyle is, is similar, as I said, and the people are much friendlier up there. So they were, they were super welcoming. And, and, you know, that was part of the reason that I chose to go there because uh, the location was really nice mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the environment and the people, the people were really, uh, really seemed like they had my best interests at heart. And I think, that's an important thing to consider when you're choosing a school because, yes, you're going for basketball, but you play basketball two to four hours a day at most, right? The rest of, mm. your, the rest of your time there is, is your life. It's school. It's socializing, right? Like you yep. still have to enjoy the environment that you're in. I've heard too many stories of guys going over. They, they, choose, they choose their school purely for basketball, and then they end up hating it the rest of the time that they're there. So, yeah. And then, like I said, when I, saw when, you, when I saw you come back last year, I knew that at around that time, Adam Ford was looking at bringing in a, a second import at East Perth. And, I, and as soon as I saw you play, I thought you must have been him. But then I spoke to Fordy after the game and he filled me in about your background and, and, and everything else. Um, last year was a tricky year because there was so much going on. You end up you know, having a changeover as coach as well and you come in mid-season. But you were still able to play some, some really impressive basketball Despite all of that, um, how how did you find settling back in with things at, at East Perth? Um, I found it I found it pretty easy. You know, there was still some guys around the club that I had played juniors with, mm-hmm. or at least had pretty pretty good relationships with. Um, obviously, coming off my college season, my role on my college team is to score the ball, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. being the captain of captain of that team over there. I'm I'm leading the pack most of the time. So coming coming into East Perth, yes, I knew I'd have a leadership role to some extent, but it's also, you know, being able to integrate myself into a team where there's now two imports and I'm I'm not the international, I'm yeah. not the go-to guy. So 
being able to perform how I'm used to performing while we've also got one and then two primary options uh, when we brought in the second import. Yep. Uh, it, it, it was a little challenging at times. And I know, I know there was games where, you know, one of the three of us thought we probably could have had more impact on the game, but you know, I guess you that still had Drew Williamson too. Yeah. Yeah. We had Drew as well. And I know Drew was, Drew was, I think Drew was about 60, 70% last year. You know, yeah. he's, he was obviously, obviously preparing to, to be done with basketball, but yeah, we had, we had guys like him, you know, guys like Dennis, um, some, some really good talent on our team. And, uh, obviously with the coaching change, I, I felt like a lot of guys kind of felt out of place with that, you know, like mm-hmm. they, some, some guys fit 40 system and other guys didn't. And then it kind of flipped around. So those guys fit Colin system and, and the other guys ended up not fitting Colin system. Cool. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of adjusting to do, uh, to do last year, but um, I was pretty excited to, to be returning this year. And uh, although there wasn't a full SBL season, I'm still glad that we got the chance to play. And, you know, I was I was able to showcase what I can do. Yeah. And how have you found the, the West Coast Classic? Like, you you know, you're, you're sort of only seeing everyone once and uh, there has been a, you know, a dilution of, of imports in the league, which sort of does open up the Australian talent. Who are, what have you enjoyed about, about playing um, this this sort of little 12, 13 game season? Um, obviously, as I said earlier, just being able to play is, is a blessing in itself. Um, but, you know, going up against the talent in, in Perth, um, the local talent, it kind of gives me a good indication of where I'm at, you know, and it's, it's challenging high quality basketball um, that I can really stack myself up against other players with. And, you know, obviously looking at NBL opportunities now as a, as a development player, more so uh, using this competition to kind of, you know, grow as a player and, and I guess experiment too, right. You know, get myself ready for, for the next step. So um, I've really enjoyed it. And I know we've still got one, one game left and, I think with the young the young team that we had, the young coach that we had, a lot of people may not have uh, had too many expectations about of us. But we come out with a with a big win against Kalamunda to start the season, and uh, you know there was some ups and downs through the season, but we uh, we we definitely showed some glimpses of uh, of, of promising signs. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens next year, um, whether I'm here or not. Uh, we'll, we'll see. What was the preparation for the season like going way back to the sort of January, February and, and March? At one point you were expecting to have Ben as your coach and then all of a sudden you had Luke Coburn taking over. What was, what was that whole experience like? Um, that was interesting. To be honest with you, I don't know too much about, about the, the time from January to April because I was still in season mm, okay. uh, at, yep. college, at college. So yep. I had only come back mid-March actually. So... Uh, I, I had found out that Ben was going to be the coach, and obviously, you know, with, with Ben's, Ben's credentials, I was I was excited to to be able to play for him, and I, I knew that we had some new guys coming in, so I thought it would be a fresh look and and a good opportunity for us to compete. Mm-hmm. And yeah, next thing I knew, I got a call saying that they'd <laughs> they'd been uh, they'd been a coaching change, <laughs> and for, for me for me, uh, 
that that wasn't a big deal. You know, I was still going to come in and, and do what I do. Uh, I think the advantage that I really had was not having an off season and yep. some, some may see that as a benefit. Some may see that as, you know, a bit of a downside, but I thought I just carried through my performance from, from college playoffs right into East Perth. And mm-hmm. I guess the only, the only little hiccup I had was my two week quarantine when I came back, but yep. pretty much after that, I was, I was out and, and back to it. Um, yeah. I don't like to take too many breaks. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to just keep pushing forward. So uh, yeah, I, I got to the team and, and the guys looked pretty excited and, and, and pretty ready to go. I, I know they'd, uh, they'd done a lot of strength and conditioning and, and, and pre- prepared themselves on court as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of what, they've, what, what we've achieved as a group. Um, but obviously, we're, we're a team that is going to grow and, and develop as the years go on. Mm-hmm. What was the whole COVID experience like for you when – like you said, you don't like to take a break, but you were forced to because everybody had to take had to take a break. Um, did you keep working out as much as you possibly could? Did you did you try to do as much sort of, I guess, aerobic work as you could, plus try to keep a basketball in your hands as much as you could? Yeah. So uh, as soon as I was out of two week quarantine, I just uh, tried to gather as many uh, as many weights as I could from friends and and whatever else. Um, and you know, a couple of uh, a couple of buddies of mine, we would just go down to Hillary's actually, and we'd do weights outdoors. So we'd do a weight session, then we'd do a bit of uh, aerobic stuff, and then mm-hmm. we'd be on the outdoor on the outdoor court as well. Thankfully, the weather was was permitting mm-hmm. of that. So for as long as we could before it got too windy and a little cold, um, we, uh, we we played some outdoor basketball. So it, it was good in a way, you know. I, I'm glad that we weren't super trapped um at least by the time i was out and yeah. you know we could come out and, and do that little bit of exercise so that you know you, you don't expect to make too many gains but just being active and and uh keeping the mind and body engaged uh leading up to the season was was huge for me so uh yeah i don't think i don't think it suffered too much with covid but uh yeah what about your goals now you mentioned the nbl before um do you feel like um do you feel like that is not far, not far, sort of beyond you right now? Is that your ultimate goal? And and I guess as a plan B, it's not a bad plan B. If the NBL doesn't quite work out, are you happy to sort of see if a, a professional deal in, in Europe somewhere sort of pops up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the NBL is is a league that's growing pretty rapidly, and mm. you know you got Tasmania. Tasmania is coming in next yep. year, which is great, great for the league. Um, I think. My, my opportunity right now is as a development player, mm-hmm. this is my final year to be eligible. And I think if COVID's hurt anything um, for me, it's, it's been my NBL opportunity, right? Because yeah, sure. this season, this season has just been getting pushed back further yep. and further. Um, there was a couple NBL teams that were interested in allowing me to come try out and, and train with them. And obviously, I wasn't able to do that sure. because yeah. well, there's travel. either yeah travel um, or, or quarantine restrictions. Yep. Um, so for me, it's just you know being being home is is great because things are great in WA. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, obviously, I'm trying to earn a development player spot on on a really really good Perth Wildcats team. Yeah. Um, so. 
you know, fingers crossed. Uh, I, I know that's going to happen within the next month or two. They're going to make their selection on that final DP spot. But even if, even if they bring me on as a training player, I think that'd be um, good for me to do right now. So um, yeah. And, and, and going into next year, you know, after this NBL season, there is NBL one. And I know there's been a couple of teams that have contacted me in the NBL one already. And uh, you know, there will be overseas leagues that are looking to start back up. So I, I will explore those options and, and, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy to play in certain areas in the world. I know I visited China last year mm-hmm. um, to look at, look at some opportunities to play there. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy to go where I get an opportunity, right. You know, the professional basketball gig is not easy. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit of a, gr- it's a bit of a grind. So mm-hmm. you got to be pre- prepared for that. And uh, essentially earn your stripes, right? It's all about sure. building your resume and, and, and making your way up to the top. You still with us, Ben? Yeah, mate. No, I'm here. I'm here. Just, uh, yeah, listen to Shaq talk. He's pretty um, <laughs> pretty switched on. And uh, you can see he's very goal-oriented, which is very good. Um, and again, I sort of, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, <laughs> we, you jump in an elevator, Shaq, and um, the the general manager of a, an NBL team is, is in the elevator with you. Uh, what's your what's your elevator pitch as to why um, why they should sign Shaq Maharaj? What, what are you going to say in that you know that one minute ride? Um, in that one minute ride, I'm telling them that um, I'd love I'd love if they give me an opportunity to showcase myself. I think that's something that has been not taken away from me, but I've not always been given the opportunity to sh- to showcase what I can do. Right? It's always giving out a resume or giving out a highlight tape and you know coaches don't really value that so or, or they can't they can't place too much value on it right um yep if, if i if i was to, to be in, in an elevator with the gym i'd ask for an opportunity to showcase what i could do and i would tell them exactly what i could give them you know i'm i'm, I'm a three and d guy and uh i think that's where i'm gonna um that's that's where i'm gonna make my money in the future so as long as I'm given an opportunity, I think that uh, I think that I can I can uh, meet meet whatever standards I need to, and I, I'm I'm always willing to work hard. You know, nothing has to be given to me. I don't expect anything to be given to me. Um, I will work hard for for everything that I that I want to achieve. Uh, that's very good. I think uh, when when you hear you talk and you hear the hunger that's in in your voice and that desire to be. Uh... In, in the best league, um, where, wherever that may be, um, you know, I think, um, you know, having watched your play and what you developed, especially over this year and the, the little things that you have added to your game, uh, even from last year to this year, I think uh, teams would be very, very wise to, as you say, bring you in and give you a shot because um, seeing boots on the ground is a lot different to, to seeing a highlight tape. So um, I think that would be a, a very wise move if, uh, if the opportunity comes up. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's be honest, Ben. He'd be a pretty handy development player, wouldn't he? He's, to to my eyes, he's ready to be a a full roster member on an NBL club. But if a if a club like the Wildcats could have him for a year as a development player, um, he'd be pretty handy. Yeah, look, when clubs are looking at that development player, it, it's not so much a development for the individual. Uh, they might be looking at a, a project if it's uh, someone different, but. You know, the, the guys that these really good NBL teams look at, they're looking at when it says development, they're trying to develop their team. So 
is this person going to come in and push the one or two people ahead of them so that they get better? And along the way, they're getting better. They don't just want someone that's going to come in and take up space. And every time you throw them into a five-on-five, they're going to get creamed and they're not going to – like I remember the stories when the the Cats DPs was Kyle Armour, Trian, uh, Gavin Field, Robbie Huntington and Michael Vigor with Damien Scott in there as well. And they would beat the starting five. And they would go out and they would give them as, as big a swing as they could, and that's what they wanted. And if you look at what the Cats have done, that's why those that starting five in their bench are so competitive is because they've got another bunch of kids underneath them that are going for it, scrapping tooth and nail for everything they've been given. And when you hear Shaq talk about what he wants to do and what he's going to give, that's exactly what they would be looking for. So whether it's here in WA or, or, or over east, um, those are the sorts of players that you want to have in your in your group that are going to come in day in, day out um, for not very much money, if any at all, and just give you 100% every time they step on the floor. And that's what, what we've seen this season um, from Shaq. And, and, and if you look at his body of work as well, it seems to be that's the way he's gone about his business over the last sort of four or five years. Sound fair enough, Shaq? Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 spot on. We we've watched you with a with a lot of excitement this year, Shaq. It's been great to see not so much your development because you've just been a, it's been great to see you get the platform to show what you're capable of at at this level in the West Coast Classic and you know to the back half of, of last year in the SBL season as well. And and I think we both agree that you've got an NBL future, so let's hope that that happens sooner rather than later. But but for now, thanks very much for joining us on SBL Shootaround, and let's hope you go out and have another another big night on, on Saturday night to, to close out this season. Yeah, thanks again, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what the future holds, um, but I, pre- I appreciate you guys supporting me and uh, anyone else out there that's listening to this and that's supporting me, I appreciate you. Uh, and I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Excellent. Thanks very much, Jack. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Okay, back now on SBR Shootaround, Ben, and they were two terrific guests. Had a lot of fun speaking to Steve DeConza to get a referee's perspective on things, and, and geez, Shaq Maharaj, is a, he's almost as impressive off the court as he is on the court in the way he, he handles himself. Yeah, look, I, I really appreciate Steve answering the questions as he as he alluded to in the uh, the interview. Sometimes coaches' questions can be a little bit pointed, and to actually have a conversation with him. And as he spoke about too, that developing that uh, relationship with uh, with the players and coaches is an important thing. And I think he he did a very good job of helping improve those relationships uh, between the, the officials and the uh, the people actually playing the game. So really appreciate Steve giving up his time this afternoon. And yeah, Shaq. Um, really sort of, you know, one of those ones that I disappointed. I did get a chance to, to be a part of, of his uh, journey in the West Coast Classic, as I mm-hmm. was with a few more of those East Perth boys, and I think I would have really enjoyed coaching him and, and seeing what buttons to push to get the best out of him and, and helping him sort of progress on, on his journey to playing basketball as a full-time career. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to both of them for joining us here on SBR Shooting Round this week. Now let's have a look at Round 9, final round of the West Coast Classic. We'll start with an update on our tipping situation, Ben. I'm on 60 now after last weekend. You're on 51. And by my calculations, we've got eight games this weekend. 
So we're going to have to extend this into the finals, perhaps just to give you some sort of a chance. Oh, I reckon we might. Uh, let's just play out the regular season and then we'll, we'll have another <laughs> one in the final. Eh? Okay, uh, we can do that. But best of th- best of three come finals, we can we can do that for right. sure. Yeah, I did think the gap's a little bit bound. Well, I'm happy to concede and say, well done, well played. You've taken the uh, regular season title. Thank you very much. I don't, as I've said this whole way through, I don't win too much in life, so I'm I'm very happy to happy to take it. Now let's move let's move along. Friday night, just the one game, but gee, it's got plenty riding on it for the Wilton Tigers. They have to win this game to be any chance of making the finals, and they're at home to Gavin Field. We'll wait and see if Luke Travers turns out, but no no, no team with Gavin Field in it is going to be easy. So it's going to be a fascinating game Friday night at Williton Basketball Stadium. Yeah, and like I say, the, the Tigers have got a bit too much on the line at the moment, although a team that doesn't have any expectations can come out and play very freely and, and usually exceed those expectations. But I just think that, that sniff of a finals campaign for Stephen Black and, and the boys down there will be a bit, a bit much and they'll they'll come out and they'll, they'll get this one in a very close game at, at Willem Stadium. Yeah, I think the Tigers too and I to be honest, I hope nothing against Kobe and I just hope the Tigers win as well just to, to make Saturday night all that more exciting. Now, let's, let's start with the games which don't involve teams in finals contention for Saturday. The first up, first up, Geraldton Buccaneers at home to the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, very big challenge here for the, the Slammers young guys against the sort of veteran group of, of bucks up there. Again, the the travel may come into come into effect. Again, very, find it very hard to tip against the bucks on their home court, so I'll go with the bucks in this one. I think so too. Just just the experience with Wandenberg and Ralph now playing pretty well and, and Braden Inger's really taking the next step this year and then some of the young players like Narkel, I think the Bucks will will be a little bit too too strong. But gee, the, the battle with Wandenberger and Keller on the boards will be will be fascinating to watch. Also in Kalgoorlie, Goldfields Giants against the East Perth Eagles. Interesting one. Again, a bit like last week, the, the backcourt of the Eagles is very good with Kieran Berry and, and Shaq Maharaj. And that, mm. They sort of match up well against backcourt of, of the Giants, those three boys there. But the front court, as they've done all season, Badge and, um, and Mayo, I think will have a little bit too much size on the boards there and probably give them the advantage up there um, in, in Kalgoorlie. So I'll go with the Giants in that one. I think so too. It might just depend if if, if Major's actually fit and healthy to play, so we'll wait and see, but, but I, I'll back the Giants in for that one. Your final game for the West Coast Classic, Ben. Down to Mandra, the Mandra Magic against the Calamander Eastern Suns. Yeah, look, we'd be, uh, we'd be very disappointed not to finish the season on a high. I know that um, we came into this uh, wanting to compete as hard as we could and wanting to uh, make, make progress on where we've been and Look, um, we might have taken a couple steps back here and there, but I know that um, as I'm driving up the hill tonight, the boys are preparing for this game as if it was a, uh, a finals appearance that we're going to be, be playing for and we've sort of motivated ourselves to, to go out and, and have a red-hot crack. And look, I'm just thankful that we have got a, uh, a couple of wins on the board and we're not uh, having the fancy dress um, competition <laughs> that was touted by Mark before, before uh, we got to this point. But look, um, two teams in a very, very similar pattern of development, um, but I would, yeah, I'll, I'll tip us in this one. I think the Magic are just struggling to be competitive right now. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to quite maintain their intensity from the first half of the West Coast Classic, where they were actually showing some pretty good signs. So I think, I think you guys at Calamunda have been able to stay more competitive on the on the whole. And last week's performance against Perry Lakes was a pretty solid one. So I think, I think I'll go Calamunda as well. 
in that game. Now it's time for some of the games that have some real big ramifications. The first one, Wally Hagen Stadium, the Coburn Cougars against the Perry Lakes Hawks. And of course, all the Hawks have to do is win this game and they'll finish top two. If they lose, then things really get interesting and their second spot becomes available to some of the teams chasing them, most notably the, the Redbacks. Yeah, look, I think the Hawks would relish um, the ability to have that home final. Um, so a little bit too much on the line. I don't know I've said that the, the Cougars have nothing to lose, um, but I think the Parallax Hawks have a lot more to lose than what um, what the Cougars do. So um, I think, yeah, Cougars would be a bit, uh, bit, a bit worse for wear after the, the Tigers the night before. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. Hawks, Hawks will be sitting there waiting for them and we'll... We'll play 40 minutes of uh, Matt Parsons basketball and get the job done and, and lock up second spot. Yeah, I think so too. Just too much depth at Perry Lakes. Now, this one's an, an elimination game in a lot of ways, and it's going to be fascinating. Lakeside Lightning at home to the Perth Redbacks. Yeah, look, um, Redbacks are in a similar situation. You know, they, they don't want to mess around and, and have people winning and, and, and losing around them and, and that sort of thing. And I think, uh, as we've seen, um, CJ's got these guys playing really well. Those early season jitters have seemed to have disappeared, and um, Nelson and White are now playing really well and, and ably assisted by, you know, by uh, Joel Wagner and Dennis Tarpini and, and the like. So I just think, um, yeah, look, the Redbacks will be ready for this one. You know, CJ's a coach that likes to win, and, and I think that'll be, be his focus, and I think they'll get the job done this game. After I saw Lakeside last Friday night beat the Wolves, I would have had no trouble tipping Lakeside to win this game. But then I see the next night on their home floor, they lose to the Senators by 27 points. That that puts some real doubts into my mind. So knowing how exciting the Redbacks are playing right now and how well they're playing, I'm going to stick with the Redbacks. And, and I think that that sets up a Perry Lakes-Redbacks semi-final, which will be absolutely incredible to watch. Now, the Rocky Game Flames are, are the most outside chance still of playing in the finals, but there's still a chance depending on other results. But they'll have to beat the Warwick Senators at Warwick Stadium to do it. Oh look, I'll go with I'll go with the Flames just to make it interesting. I think oh, wow. uh, Jackson Jackson Hussey, there's no real matchup for him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have to Ethan Elliott or if Corbin Rowe comes back, um, staying in front of Jackson Hussey's a, a 40 minute job. Wolf Godfrey, well that's going to probably cancel out there with uh, Justin King, Ryan, uh, Travis Durden, you know, against the wing. I think you know, those three are going to be very, 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 very hard to stop. And, you know, Ryan Petrick's probably one of the better prepared coaches. Um, he has seen what Mike's done for a long, long time, and I'm sure he'll have a few things up his sleeve to pull out and try and upset the apple cart there. And I reckon the, the Flames as well are a, a club that are pushing for wins and want to have success. And, you know, if if Erling have got the top spot locked up, that might get them, as we've seen in the past, to uh, take the foot off the pedal a little bit. You don't have to do that very much to let Jackson Hussey and Ryan Godfrey off the chain and, and they can hurt you very, very quickly. So I'll go the Flames in this one. It's, it's a great point. It could very well be the most exciting game I think we've seen in the entire West Coast Classic. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both these teams put up triple figures in, in scoring. It'll be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Just because we can't be the same on every single selection this week, Ben, I'm going to go for the Senators on their, their home floor to to lock up top spot for sure, even though I think they're already guaranteed at least of a top two spot going into the final round. Now, this final game, this one, assuming Willerton beats Coburn on Friday night, will be an elimination 
game. So whoever wins will play finals. Whoever loses will miss out. HBF Arena, the Joondalup Wolves and the Williston Tigers. Tigers, they're playing mm-hmm. for too much. They're, they're looking towards the future. And the Wolves are looking over their shoulders at what they've done for the last 10 years. And I think they're pretty happy with that. Okay, take a big, big effort for the Wolves boys to get up. And it all comes down to, you know, do they actually want to be playing basketball next week after this weekend? So not sure if they do. That's the, you know, that's just the way I've been watching them the last few weeks. They, they look like they're cooked. I reckon the Tigers have got too much too much to play for. They'll get it done and they'll, they'll take that fourth spot and make in the final. Well, having seen them last Friday night in person, I, I can't disagree with what you say about the Wolves. But I've just, my whole time in the SBL, I've seen them win too many games when you were a coach and... Obviously, there's still some guys there who have a lot of pride. Seb Salinas, Rob Huntington, Reese Maxwell, Treon Iliadis. If they all play, I don't know Ben Ironmonger's situation, if he's a chance to come back. But they've got a lot of pride there. Lockie Cummings has got a lot of quality on their home floor. With the final spot on the line, I might stick with the Wolves just to just to be different. So either way, how blessed are we to have such a Saturday night to be looking forward to? It's, uh, it's phenomenal. And it seems to be the, the way it is over here in the Wild West. The final series isn't locked up until the, that last game. Um, and the same thing, different this time time around. And every game means something, whether it's uh, our game versus Mandra, you know, trying to finish the, the, the season on a high and um, salvage a little bit of more. Is it you know, the Williton versus Wolves game where they're, they're trying to make a, make a final series in a West Coast Classic and perhaps have a chance at hanging a banner uh, in two weeks' time? Yeah, can't wait for it to all unfold. And I've had a lot of fun again this week on SBL Street Around. Two terrific guests, Steve DeConza and Shaquille Maharaj, joined us. We went through all of our all-star game in, in some great detail. And thank you to our listeners for backing in my my team with the South All-Stars. But but thanks to Ben's expert opinion, he backed in the North All-Stars to, to get the win. So we'll, we'll keep following that over the next couple of weeks to to hopefully bring you some more from our All-Star game selections. But, yeah, all our eyes are now on Friday night and Saturday night in the West Coast Classic. It couldn't be set up any better. So we'll come back and bring it all to you in a finals preview next week here on SBL Shootaround. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll sign off for this week and leave you with the legend himself, Ben Etridge. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure these last uh, 12 or so weeks talking about the West Coast Classic. And is this the last dance for a few teams? And perhaps a few players that have been legends of the SBL as we, we head towards a uh, another postseason. And uh, looking forward to probably about 10.05 on Saturday night when these final four teams are locked in. And we'll be sitting very, very close to the phone over the next sort of four or five days to see if there is a phone call for uh, Chris and myself to call the, the inaugural West Coast Classic Grand Final. That would be sensational. So, um, yeah, looking forward to, the, to a big weekend and um, hopefully... Everyone's team gets over the line and, and we finish off what has been an eventful West Coast Classic here in the West uh, for 2020.